Father God, we just thank you for your spirit that inhabits our soul, God. We thank you for your presence, Jesus. We just declare that apart from you, we can do nothing. We just come to you uh, today and um, we ask you that we would approach you in a heart of, of thankfulness, God. Father, we're just thankful, we're thankful that we have a place to, to just worship you, that we live in a country where we can just openly just praise you and praise your name, that we have no restrictions on what our tongue can do. We can, we can just burst out in praise and give you the glory. So I'm just thankful for that, Jesus. I'm thankful that we have a community of creative people that are just pushing after your creative spirit as as you are the creator, Father. I'm thankful for that, Jesus. I'm thank you, thankful for feet that I can walk and go places and see more of your creation. I'm thankful for hands that I can create things with. I'm thankful for all my senses that I can just experience you. God, I'm thankful for individuals in this room. I'm thankful... I'm thankful for Sarah and her crazy art that bridges gaps between music and and visual art. I'm thankful for Turner and his animations, God. I'm thankful for Susan and her joy and her passion after you. I'm thankful for John Dorsey and that that head that he has that is always churning and he thinks so hard that you can almost hear him thinking. I'm so thankful for that, Jesus. I'm thankful for Lee's heart that she just goes after Honduras, Father, and that, that door is open for her to just pour into those people. God, we have so much to be thankful for, and I just, I thank you today for everything that you are doing th- through this community. We just praise your name. Amen. So, Last week, not this last Thursday, but the week before that, um, we, we were in home group, and one of the things that Tatiana actually said um, was that thankfulness reminds us who we are. When we thank the Lord, then we realize who we are through Him. And on the other side, the other side of the coin is that when we thank God, um, it reminds us of who He is. And the thing about that is that thankfulness like creates identity. When we thank Him for everything that He's done, then we realize everything that He's done. You know, it's like it's not us doing it. Just like what um, Adeline was sharing is that like we look back on these things and we thank him for it because we realize that we couldn't do it on our own. Thankfulness says that I was in need and you, Jesus, were my provider. And when our mouths speak thanksgiving, we are declaring that life stems out of the things that Jesus has done. It is through his grace and love that we are able to accomplish anything. And it's not about what we do, but it's about what he's done again. So when I was in Colombia, um, I was in Colombia at the beginning of the summer 
and uh, I was visiting Tatiana's family and Ivan and Tess, uh, Micah students, they were with us as well. And um, during the trip, we got to go out to Santa Marta. So we got in a plane and we, we flew to the, to the beach city of Santa Marta. And it's this beautiful town that's like on the top of um, South America. And we, we went to this resort. And when we got to this resort, we, we just went right to the beach. I mean, what else is there to do? It's a beach city. So we sat on the beach and... This whole time, this whole trip, in the back of my head, I was like, I know this is a vacation, but I want to make it into a missions trip somehow. Like, I want, I want this to happen. And so, um, you know, because I, I sometimes just don't understand how to just rest. And so, I, I, you know, I'm sitting on the beach, and I'm sitting here like, okay, I'm waiting for a poor, like, hungry little child to walk past me, and I'm going to scoop him up, and I'm going to, like, do all these things just to, to bless this kid or whatever. And, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm just, like, thinking this. I'm like, okay, the sun's nice, too. This is nice to just be on the beach. And then we start to get approached by salesmen after salesmen after salesmen, like these native people from the town coming in and being like, like, you know, they're trying to sell us stuff, but I can't understand what they're saying. So it's even more kind of like, because uh, I have no idea what they're saying. And they're flashing sunglasses in front of me, like selling shrimp dinners, like on the beach. And like m- people coming around uh, to give massage. And I actually got a massage. That's my guilty confession. But, um, but I, I just got so annoyed with them because, you know, they'd come up and I... And I'd be like, no, gracias, I'm just trying to, like, enjoy the sun. And it's like this flock of seagull-like people are just flocking around me trying to sell me things. And this whole time, you know, Tatiana is like, oh, like, oh, that's so cute. Like, you know, like, oh, let me see that wood carving. And I'm like, no, go away. Like, <laughs> and um, the thing is, like, you know, through this, I... I'm in a completely different place, and I'm in my mindset. I'm like, I'm looking for this type of person to love on. You know, I'm looking for a specific poor little child to love on. And what I realized was that it was it was really about the relationships between these salesmen and me. And Tatiana was was on point with this, and I put it to the side for the whole trip. Um, and by the end of the trip, you know, she's talking with these people and getting to know these native Santa Martins. And, um, at the end of the trip, like her mom led, uh, a a transgender salesman to the Lord. And it was this like beautiful thing, you know, and I'm sitting here still not finding, um, my perfect poor person. And I'm like hungering after, all of these like things that I'm gonna do, and yet all it was it was just about relationship. It was about just loving these people that are right in front of us, and I completely ignored that. Yeah, so it's like this is really the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, because the old covenant says let's try to do all these things 
so that we can get closer to God. Let's find these poor people and do all these things so that we can somehow attempt to get closer to this God. But the new covenant, it just opens the door wide and brings direct relationship with God. So the things of God actually flow out of us. And so we need to hunger for relationship and not for works. So um, I guess that was kind of the intro. Today I really want to focus on hunger. And as sort of an extension to the kingdom series, I want to talk about what hunger looks like within uh, the kingdom of God. So um, if you would turn to Matthew 5, which is the Beatitudes. Yes. Yes. And does anyone need a Bible? We have Bibles right here. Anyone? Yeah? Don't be afraid. Anyone? Bible. Okay. Everyone else got your phones? Great. Got enough battery? Great. Okay, so this is verse 6, Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Thus saith the Lord. Okay, so... As I prepared for this sermon and discussed uh, you know, certain topics uh, with Mike and with John, we came to the conclusion that righteousness is right standing with God. So if you want to write that down, if you're a note taker, righteousness equals right standing with God. So the question might be, how do we obtain this right standing with God? Because the Bible tells us that we are supposed to hunger for this. Those who hunger and thirst for right standing with God will be filled. So, in the Old Covenant, the the Pharisees tried to pursue righteousness through their works. They were teachers of the law, and they followed and lived by the law. They believed that in order to obtain the right standing with God, they had to do all these works in order to get to him. But there was a problem, because in the Old Covenant, um, you know, like, it doesn't matter how much you do. As broken people, there is nothing that we can do to match up to a perfect creator. There's nothing that we can do. Um, We can go out and pray for every single person. We can follow every commandment that's in the Old Testament, but there was nothing that we could do. But... There's one that did do that. And so in the New Covenant, we have a completely different story. Instead of us leading, um, you know, like instead of us trying to lead ourselves to God, Jesus actually, (laughs) he leads us to himself instead. Every day we, we live and we breathe in the presence of God. God leads us into relationship with him. And so, out of knowing him and his love, we end up loving people. The works, the things of God, overflow out of us. So, to put it plain and simple, righteousness, the right standing with God, flows out of knowing him. 
So we're, when we're in relationship, the righteousness flows out of him. So in the old covenant, man hungered after righteousness in order to get to God or to attempt to get to God. But in the new covenant, man hungers for righteousness. We, we hunger for this right standing with God, but it's not about hungering for that. We actually hunger for relationship with God and then right standing just flows out of it. It's not about looking good anymore. It's not about what we do. It's really about getting some knee pads and finding a closet and just being in that place and crying out to him to just know him. So, like we see this juxtaposition later on in, in Matthew. Um, so I'd like to turn there. Let's go to Matthew 15. And uh, we turn to Matthew fifteen thirty-two. So, in this passage, um, before verse thirty-two, it's like uh, this is like the story of Jesus feeding the four thousand, and we all know the story. Those of us that were raised in the church, we were told, you know, the fishes and the loaves they were multiplied and passed out among the people, and the people were fed. Um, And so, uh, as a precursor to this, Jesus says in in verse 32, he says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on their way. So, then you know the story. Um, The fish and the loaves are multiplied And all the people are fed, all 4,000 of them. And so after after Jesus feeds them, uh, he says this in verse 39. So turn to 39. Um, And actually, I don't have... Here's my Bible. Does someone want to just read that? What does verse 39 say? Read it out loud. Anyone? Right there. Yeah, so this is what we have here. So we have, um, yeah, so we have these people that, you know, they go to, that, like Jesus feeds them and then they're sent out. And so if we go to, uh, to chapter, chapter 16, um, right after that, um, this is what happens. So the Pharisees, this is at the beginning of, of chapter 16, the Pharisees approach him, and the Pharisees and Sadducees demand Jesus show them a sign from heaven. So Jesus had just fed 4,000 people, which is a crazy sign in itself, but he's, they're still demanding him for a sign, but um, he responds. And so this is verse 4 of, of chapter 16. This is the end of his response. A wicked and adulterous generation look for a miraculous sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Jesus left them and went away. So what do we learn from these two instances? On one end of the, end of the spectrum, we have um, these people that have followed God for three, you know, they've followed Jesus for three days, and they're, they're leaving everything behind to just follow him wherever he goes and hear what he has to say. 
and they want to hear straight from God, and, and their physical hunger is, is definitely setting in. And Jesus knows that if these people were to you know, go home, then they could collapse on the way. And so he feeds them, and then he sends them out. He feeds them and sends them out. But in chapter 16, then the Pharisees, these, the Pharisees are the ones that are, are searching after the sign. They're searching after the wonder. They're searching after the thing of God and not wanting to just follow Jesus and figure out what he's like, what his character is about. They're just th- searching for the thing of God. And, and so what do you see is he says that a wicked generation looks for a sign and a wonder. And they're left empty and Jesus actually leaves them. So I'll say that again. You have the first group of people that are like, okay, we're so hungry. We're so hungry to know God. And this man is, is, is fulfilling everything that was spoken in, in the Old Testament. And he's, he's, he's God, and, and I want to get to know him. And they're, so they're following after him, following after him. And they're starving and, you know, starving, and he feeds them. And after they're fed, they're sent out. And these Pharisees are just looking for something that, you know, like, they're, they're just testing Jesus and, and trying to test him and trying to, instead of getting to know him, and instead Jesus leaves them empty. So, one second. So, that's just like the, like the example that I was trying to create where it's like, you have these people that are, are searching and hungering after relationship. And then on the other hand, you have um, people that are hungering after the works of God. Um, this is a hard lesson to learn. And I was currently in a season where the love I had for people um, really produced... Like, it just, like, signs and wonders happened naturally. Um, like, God gave me the energy to just go out and, and pray for people on the street. But I just started to just keep praying for people and praying for people instead of going back to my closet. And this is what we do. A lot of times we, we just function in what we're supposed to, you know, what we think we're supposed to do. And we, we come to Sunday and we think we're supposed to just get fed by someone that's here speaking and then just go out. And then when we're hungry, we come back and, you know, John's giving another sermon. And I, I just want to confess to you guys that I've done that in the past. Where I come into a church service and I get a good word and I feel great. And then I go out and then I'm just like empty by the end because I'm just hungering after these feelings like Adeline was hitting on is like, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm just wanting a feeling instead of actually knowing God. I'm wanting a nice, beautiful community of happy people that I can feel good about. And then I, I just go back to my home and don't spend any quiet time with the Lord. And so I said it before, but we really just need to get knee pads and we need to go to our closets and we need to find our quiet places. We need to be able to just go to the wilderness and, and throw rocks at the sky until we encounter him. We really have to do something because 
if we're just going through the motions, just like the Pharisees, we're going to be empty, and he's going to walk. He's he's not going to show himself. But if if we're just desiring to know him, and we declare that, hey, I want I want to know you, Jesus, then he will just he'll he'll make himself known to us. Those that hunger for relationship are sent out to be the hands and feet of Jesus. These are righteous people. Those that hunger for just things of God and righteousness alone do not get their fill and Jesus leaves them. I don't know about you, but I definitely want to be in the first group of people. So... Hunger for God is um, really a sign of, of a healthy anything, really. Like in the natural, if you think about hunger, when you have a baby, if the baby is not wanting to eat, then something's wrong. You start to worry. If, the, if, the, if a baby won't take its bottle, when it, then you're like wondering why it's not hungry. So hunger, even in a natural sense, is a sign of health. And I would argue in a spiritual sense, hunger is also a sign of health. As Jesus' people, we need to be hungry. And I think, you know, we, we try to even say that we don't base uh, our church health off of numbers but I think we do a lot of times. We, we look and say, okay, there's a hundred people here. This is amazing. But Jesus is, I think he's just looking for one hungry person. He's just looking for a handful of hungry people that are after him. And that's how I, I, I that's the kind of community that I want to be in. And that's what I want to petition the Lord uh, for, you know. And uh, Bill Johnson has a wonderful sermon on hunger. If you want to listen to it, um, it's on YouTube. I think it's called The Gift of Hunger. And he says that hunger in the kingdom is completely different from hunger in the world. So hunger in the natural is completely different than hunger in a spiritual sense. Hunger in a spiritual sense is like when we get a taste of God, we hunger for more of Him. When we hunger for God and we're satisfied, we're not, we're satisfied, but at the same time we're hungry. When we get a piece of God, we just realize how much bigger He is. He just gives us a nibble and we're like, where did that nibble come from? It came from a cake. Where did that cake come from? It came from a bakery. Where did the bakery come from? It came from this entire town of bakeries. Like, that's what God is. You get one nibble and then you want more and you want more and you want more. In the, in the natural sense, it's like, we'll eat at family dinner and those cookies that are on the table that will fill all of us. I don't know what else is up there. But we're going to get full at a certain point, and we're going to be like, okay, we're full, and then we have to wait, and then we'll be hungry at some point. But in a spiritual sense, it's like Jesus is, is completely different. God is completely different than the cookies on the table. He is a God that is so good, 
he's so attractive. Like, I'm going to go off script. So, let's, let's turn to Revelation. And I think we need to be reminded of what he looks like. Let's turn to Revelation 4. <laughs> Revelation 4. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard from, uh, the, the voice I had first heard speaking to me was like a trumpet. And it said, Come up here, and I will show you what you must do. What, what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven, and someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold, on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are seven spirits of God. Also, before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox, and the third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And so, I don't know, like, I've heard, I've, I've heard this passage used in many different ways, but... I just like I, I can't imagine what it's like to just sit there before the Lord in His in, just be in the throne room, and I can't imagine. It's like the same thing with you know, like you get a nibble of God and you want so much more, but like we can't even imagine how big this storm is that is encircling the throne. Like we can probably imagine like the biggest storm that we've been in. It might have been a tornado or whatever when you're in the Midwest like us, like like me, I mean, like in Minnesota, we just get these tornadoes and it's like this is insane. But like what is around God is is a million times larger than that. And yet he makes himself known to us on a personal level. Like he's so good, guys. He's 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 so attractive in all that he is. And yet he just wants to, to meet with us on a personal level. And he's, he really hungers after you. He hungers after you. Like each and every one of you. He's hungry for you. He's hungry to know you. He's hungry to make himself known. And that's what he wants is to know you. And... There's nothing more beautiful. There, there's one thing that's more beautiful than a God that wants to know his children, and that's the children of God wanting to know their dad. It's beautiful to just think and know, okay, God loves me, but it's another thing to respond to it and say, I am so hungry for this God. It just it blows it blows my mind sometimes to think about. You know, those, like some people that believe 
in, um, they say they believe in God. And they say, okay, I'm like agnostic and I believe that there is a God. And I just, I just think maybe those people would be really, you know, if you would just maybe tell them about the Lord a little bit and relate to him in, in just love and truth, that they would realize how great he is and how hungry he is for them. I, I'm not going to say too much else. I, I think what we were expressing in worship is, and, and what Adeline shared is really what I'm, I'm trying to get at is, is that we need to continue to push to just know him. We need to continue to push to do whatever it takes to just seek his face and seek his character. Because when we seek after him, we realize who he is. And when we realize who he is, then we re- realize who we are. And it's, it's definitely not about us at all. It's, it's so about what he's done. And so when, he, when, when we're all about him and we're all about what he's doing and we're hungry for those things and when we push in, in prayer to just figure out what he's hungry for, then he's so about us. When we're about him, he's, he's about you. When you're about him, he's all about you. Um, I want to do communion a little different today. Um, and you, we usually, you know, stand up here and we have a cup and then you come up and you dip it in. Um, but today I want to take uh, communion in little family groups. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to pray. And then if we could find, if, if you could find like two other people, form groups that are like three to four people. Um, and then send one person up from your group to grab a cup of... Um, of wine and then like a, a chunk of bread. Um, what I want us to do is, uh, in our little groups, I want us to pray over one another. And if, um, if any of us in the room, I know I'm included on this group, but uh, any of us that are, are just feeling that we've lost that hunger, um, that would be a great time to kind of just confess that to one another in our groups and uh, that we would just pray over that, that we would be really hungry, and that we would set aside time in the wilderness where we are just going after who he is and just knowing him. And this is also a time, uh, if you have anything that's really on your heart that you just feel like you need to confess, it might not be about hunger or anything like that. Maybe it's um, something that you just feel is separating you from the Lord, um, you can just either uh, bring that to the group and confess it or just ask someone in the group to just pray over you. It doesn't, you don't even have to say what it is. Um, just have someone pray over you. So, uh, Mike, would you come up? And then, yeah, um, you can just play.